You are listening to episode 108 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here in the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we are superstars in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Sound like you're out of breath there. It might have been from the uh, the racing of King DDD. Uh, you know what? He kicked my butt and ate all the snacks. Yeah, he ate all my snacks as well. And then, of course, uh, in the samurai battle, he crushed me every time. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, this week we played some Kirby Superstar, uh, a Superstar Saga, I think, right? On the uh, Super Nintendo. And it's eight games in one. So we had a little fun with that this week on our classics. And um, we got some cool articles this week as well. So I'll just kind of quickly go over that for us. Uh, our first one is going to be Xbox experimenting with how to pay studios for Game Pass uh, because they don't have it figured out, really. Uh, the next one's going to be 14 hidden secrets from instruction manuals that make games much weirder. I mean, dude, some of those were super weird, actually. Well, especially and throwing uh, all last... the way back to E-Bomb's world. I haven't been there oh, in forever, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when I saw it, I was like, holy crap. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Uri Geller allows Nintendo to print Kadabra on Pokemon cards after 20 years. Uh, so, dude, that was actually a pretty interesting read. I didn't know that. Throwback. You didn't know this... that? Man, I've been hearing that forever. I just, you know, I might have heard it back in the day because uh, I used to sell Pokemon cards um, at a shop. And it's just... I don't know, it just never clicked until I read them. Like, oh, well, well, damn, that makes sense as to why it happened, how he won and everything else. But yeah, we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but yeah, dude, as normal, let's go into our pickups. Uh, did you do anything for Black Friday? Okay, so I, I'm i just questioning, John, why am I a part of this podcast? I never buy anything. I never play anything. Like, I'm just, I'm just here as a set piece, really. <laughs> you're, you're here to look pretty that's what it is i i guess for everybody out there in audio land i'm a gorgeous person you're uh what's um what's what's her name from wheel of fortune vanna white yeah you're my vanna white there we go i can recognize letters of the alphabet and point to things that light up and you know money so it works <laughs> out like we're all good you're vanna white uh well okay so you didn't get any pickups so, you know that's a shame there were some there were some decent deals. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like amazing Black Friday deals. And of course, like you look at Cyber, they're like, oh, Cyber Monday deals. And like Amazon basically just flips from Black Friday labeling to Cyber Monday. It's the same exact crap. Like it, it's frustrating. I wish there'd be, you know, different deals on Cyber Monday. But yeah, so I ended up getting Neo 2 for 10 bucks. I have Neo 1. I haven't beaten it yet. But, you know, I've been kind of itching to play some sort of Souls type game, you know, with that type of difficulty. And, Neo's the only thing I really haven't played. Have you played the, the Surge? Or the Surge 2? <laughs> played which one? No, I haven't. Those are like Dark Souls, but sci-fi. Oh, okay. I'll look at those. And then I do have Code Vein as well. Mm, Code Vein so is supposed to be I've got pretty a few, cool. I've got a few Souls-type games that I can play. but Weeb Souls. I haven't. Yeah, right. Weeb Souls, because nothing's going to be Dark Souls and Bloodborne and all of that. <laughs> Uh, so I got Neo 2, it was about 10 bucks. I got Trials of Mana for 20 so it was 50% off its normal price. Got that one on the Switch. I picked up a copy of Maneater on the PS4. I want to play that. RPG. 
Okay, well, you can borrow it because I'm not going to play it for a while. <laughs> uh, you see, this is this is why you don't buy games because you're like, well, John's going to buy it anyways. Exactly. So it works out. You don't need to be uh, a I video game it... collector if you have a friend that records a podcast with you who is a collector. Exactly. Best savings it's tip flipping... out there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, dude, like just looking at the behind me, like all the games on this flipping recording that we've got and it's insane. Uh, the other one I got was Final Fantasy VII Remake. My wife was just consistently bugging me get the remake get the remake i'm like it'll be on sale don't worry and it was on sales like 29 bucks through gamestop i think uh, and i had a five dollar certificate so it worked out uh and then the other one was journey to a savage planet i've had my eye on this game for quite some time and it's been sitting at like 30 bucks 20 bucks used well it was 15 dollars new so i picked that up as well uh, a couple games i want but i missed out on uh let's see veneer uh what is it automa or i forget automata it, but yeah, near Automata. So I I played near one almost all the way through and then my PS3 died on me. So that's when I in fact that might be I might do two um you know new games resolutions this year, that one being one of them to, you know, beat it finally. You know that near uh, Automata I, has like four endings you have to get through, right? No, I'm not saying near Automata. I'm saying near one on PS3, mm. the first near. Yeah, I don't know if there's any connection or whatever, but there is. Um, there is. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'll beat Nier on the PS3. That'll that's a, a sneak preview into. I have another new games resolution, but I've always wanted to beat Nier to begin with, so I'll finish that one up, and that'll be part of my new games resolution next year. Um, and uh, what was your thing? So Nier Automata, the the Game Vier edition version, basically, it was like twelve ninety nine new, and everywhere was sold out. Mm. so pissed like the one game i was like i really want this one it was sold out and uh yoshi's yeah that was and then yoshi's crafted world i think is the other one it was like so it was like 29 dollars new i'm like oh wow that's great 29 dollars new and then i looked at the used price the used price is like 28 dollars. so why like why would i ever do it like it was used gamestop had it for like 26.99 used for their special black friday discount it's the nintendo value it's like $3 more to get a used copy. So why in the world am I going to get it $3 less on Black Friday and push myself? Like when I'm ready to buy it, I'll buy it. So that was it on that end. Uh, and then we'll jump into my currently playing. So uh, I had the in-laws over this week and unfortunately did not get to play many video games. I did play a little bit of Jade Cocoon uh, during the week and it was fun. You know, I, I'm getting through. I got to the um, Spider Forest now. So it's the third forest, Creepy. I think, in the game. Yeah, so I'm in the Spider Force now, checking that place out. Um, so far, so good. Uh, I I don't have any, like, major... It's not, like, the most amazing game ever. It's not the worst game ever. It's just... It's an RPG. I'm going to play it. I'll finish it up, and that'll knock that one out. And I also continued Super Mario 64 with my wife. So we're playing that on the Switch. And I am still going to maintain my grounds that this is probably the worst Mario in the franchise. Like, <laughs> I hate... It's just terrible. Like... It's not a good game. Like, I'm just not having as much fun as I normally would with are, a Mario Are you game. throwing it like, under Super Mario 2? Uh, I have a hard time just because of how revolutionary it was throwing it under a Mario 2. But I would say, like, in terms of my disdain towards them, I'm just not. Ama- like, it's overhyped. Like, the reason that people were like, Mario 64 is great is because that was their childhood game. Like, that's why everybody loves it so much. If you put Mario 64 into, like, today's graphics, like in like in Odyssey's... I mean, it pretty much is Odyssey. If you 
if you took it and put it on the Switch today as a brand new game, people would be like, these cameras suck. These controls are horrible. <laughs> well, like, yeah, because it's the function- like, like 20 years behind the times. Dude, there's other games that are older than that are much better. Banjo-Kazooie, for example, is just about as old and has similar mechanics. It's a much better game than this one. Like, I'm just... it It's revolutionary for what it was, and I get it. And I understand why people are like, yeah, it's super cool. Like, my wife loves it because it was her childhood game. It's not mine. Like, so I'm looking at this from a fresh set of eyes of there is no nostalgia there for me for this particular game because I was a PlayStation kid. So playing Mario 64, I'm like, okay... It's not that great. Like, it's overhyped. 100% overhyped. So everybody's like, oh, it's the top of my list. No way. Like, Odyssey smashes this game. Like, even if Odyssey had, like, similar camera, or let's just say 64 had, like, better camera and better controls and whatnot, Odyssey still smashes this game. So, yeah, I know it's hard to compare the two, but there isn't nostalgia there for me, so I'm looking at it with a fresh set of eyes. 100%. And uh, it's just not my favorite. There's a reason I haven't like put it at the top of my list to play yeah so. well i don't think many yeah. mario people i mean objectively it would be hard to put 64 at the top of the list if it wasn't for nostalgia's sake so i i feel like people can relate to that like lots of people have acknowledged that there are problems with mario 64 and you know it's it is one of those things that it's like if you experience this as a kid if you were there like for the jump to 3d like you have to acknowledge what it did for everybody but that doesn't really make it like best in class or anything exactly and that's my view on it like i can definitely appreciate the game and what it did for the industry and what it did for the mario franchise in that style but i can also look at it from that set of eyes and be like this is not the greatest game ever created like it's it shouldn't be listed as number one on a mario list and anybody that says otherwise like that's your opinion but it's i can't see this being the number one mario game of all time it's got its place for sure but it's not the best mario game yeah so i'm gonna get a lot of shit for that i know but it it's whatever hey i can help Um, take some of that flack off your back there john okay i have had no time to play anything this week it has been absolutely hectic for me for anybody who is out there in the world listening to this uh we are just coming off of thanksgiving week here in america and i have been so packed between work new work and family i have had no time i've had youtube running in the background while i'm trying to do other stuff shout out to skill up reviews I love you now. You're like one of my new favorite content creators and I've been going through all your backlog of reviews. So thank you for that. But like, as far as playing stuff myself, I've had like no time and I feel so bad and I know I'm going to get so much hate because I've had all year to play freaking persona and I put it off for so long. Like I just, I'm going to fail. There's no way I'm going to be able to beat this game by the end of the year. So we got to come up with some kind of punishment for me. I will beat this. I will beat this like at some point, but like, man, dude, it is driving me nuts. Like the fact that like sometimes I might have like a little like hour time frame where I'm like, oh man, like maybe I could play a game right now. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'd have to play Persona 4 because that's the only thing that I'm allowed to play. And it just drives me nuts because there's so much else that I would love to be able to play. And I just feel too guilty to actually go out and play it. 
See, this is why I always knock mine out, like, close to the beginning of the year. I think with... So when we did our first one, it was, what, Sukunen 2 is what I had. And I played that... God, what was it, like, May or something? And it took me several months because I, I play other games as well. So it's not the only game I play. But, dude, when you start, like, hammering those games out at the beginning of a year and just kind of take your sweet time with it, it, it works out in the end. So that's why uh, Shenmue this year... It's like, I've... God, man, like... It feels like so long ago that I beat Shenmue. I, it's hard to believe that it was this year that I beat that game. Like, of all the crap that's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you load it up from the very beginning, you're pretty set for the rest of the year, and then there's no issue. But punishment-wise, um, huh, we, uh, you know what? I know what we'll do. If you don't beat it, you have to succumb to one hour of playing Blue's Clues on the PlayStation 1. Oh, my God. One hour of Blue's Clues. Okay, well, I guess I'm a Blue's Clues boy, then. I'll uh, get out my handy-dandy notebook and uh, go to town. I'm pretty sure I still have it, so I'll check the shelf. But, yeah, Blue's Clues on the PS1. And if I don't have it, I'll buy it, just to make sure. (laughs) I vow to everybody out there in video game land that I will beat Persona 4 Golden... It's just going to take me longer than a year because I'm terrible. Terrible person. And by terrible, uh, I mean, you know, I played Dark Souls and I played Sekiro and I played Ghosts of Tsushima. I played like a ton of awesome games this year, but just couldn't power through this 80 hour RPG in like how many ever thousands and thousands of hours are in a year. Well, and the other thing was... uh, you know, you, you didn't beat those other games either. Yeah, but that's the thing, John. It's about the the journey, the not experience. the destination. Oh, my God. Man, I can't wait <laughs> well, for Game Pass. I'm going to spend so many single-digit hours in so many games. Are you at, You're going to get it, for sure? I mean, once I once the Series S, they were, I read an article like last week or something saying that Hopefully, the Series X, Series S will be like kind of regularly in stock by April. So, hopefully, by May or so, I should be able to get into uh, all access and throw down my like 25 bucks a month or whatever for two years of Game Pass and an Xbox Series S. And also, I don't know if you were reading about this. Uh, this week, John, or if any of our obviously beautiful listeners out there have heard about this, but apparently the Xbox Series S and X have a dev mode that you can go into and run RetroArch off of, and Hmm. they're currently working on getting it to be able to emulate everything up through PS2. So... Interesting. Yeah, this Series S might become like the ultimate emulation machine that I have, and it might not be a total, you know, just delay until getting the PS5. It might be something that I actually want to hang on to and enjoy for many years to come. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, man. Uh, well, before we get into our next uh, piece here of the podcast, of course, we do have some video game trivia for you. Oh, no. This one's pretty This one's pretty easy. Uh, so what is the average age of gamers in the United States? The average age of gamers in the United States. Does this include mobile gamers? Like moms playing Bejeweled? 
I would assume so. Or Candy it Crush. Is Jewel aver- even a thing anymore? I honestly don't know, but if you asked a mom somewhere, they'd probably tell you yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to be conservative here, and I'm going to aim young, and I'm going to say 23. Way off. Way off. Higher or lower? So to, uh, higher. Okay. I'm going to go with 34. Yeah, one more that was close. It's actually 35. Dang. Okay, yeah. yeah. I figured that, like, you know, through the generations, like, everybody who used to play games has kind of come up, and a lot of more people are still playing games. Like, I'd imagine people, like, you know, my parents who weren't really into games, like, they played some games with me when I was a kid. You know, they may have gotten a thrill out of Miss Pac-Man when it came out, and Pong was probably cool and revolutionary at the time, but never really stuck with it. And then, yep. you know, as the younger generation has grown up, I mean, we're both in our 30s, but there's people that were, you know, 10, 15 years our senior that are still wildly invested in games. That it's definitely brought that that age up. Like, I'd imagine that the mean age, like, maybe 23 would have been, like, the mean age for gamers, like, back in the 90s or early 2000s. But Well, even, like, yeah, like, for sure, like, even 10, 15 years ago, 23, I think, would be... 100% like accurate and uh, you know that number is only going to increase it's like we get older you know I don't see any of us giving up gaming you know I'll probably be 60 playing games well you I've know, heard as long that as I like can see and use my hands yeah when you incorporate like mobile gaming and people playing like I mean if you count solitaire on your phone as mobile gaming I mean that's gotta bring the the generational age of people who are gaming in quotes way up yeah. Okay, and we'll get one more here for you. Oh, what God. Problem Double plagues... dipping. Double dipping. So what problem plagues up to 40% of virtual reality users? This is an easy one. Uh, motion sickness. 100% motion sickness. Yeah, so it says, luckily, VR developers are still working on solutions. Have you played VR, John? I would assume. I've only done it a couple times. See, I haven't had I, any I problems play. with motion sickness, although I've only played a couple things. i played, like... Beat Saber and Half-Life Alex and um, uh, Counting Plus. Just just a mm-hmm. handful, and I haven't had any trouble with it. Yeah. No, I, I, the couple times I played it, I didn't have trouble either. Uh, well, okay, so we're going to jump into our stuff here pretty soon. But, uh, of course, go ahead and find our podcast on all those awesome podcast applications out there. Podcast Addict, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Uh, give us a five-star review, unless you can do six. And, of course, find us on social media. You're going to find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Game Deflators and on Twitter at Game Deflators. Uh, so go ahead and give us a shout out on there. And uh, also TheGameDeflators.com. Find us on our website. Uh, and I will try to get our YouTube up to date uh, here pretty soon. Uh, hopefully in December, I'm just with the new PC build and everything. I should be able to like quickly churn out uh, videos on here for us to just get the audio on YouTube because... Yeah, that's kind of been lacking for a very long time. We haven't uploaded anything in a very long time on there. We apologize so, to all of our YouTube audience. Well, they're not hearing this, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. But if they are on YouTube and that's where they heard us, yeah, that's that's why. Um, so yeah, that's it on that. Uh, let's jump into our first article here. So Xbox experimenting with how to pay studios for Game Pass because we don't think we have it figured out. That is by uh, was it Phil Spencer, I believe is his name. Well, that's the uh, quote. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Uh, and so this is going to be from GameIndustry.biz, and it's James, uh, what is that, Bachelor? That's a interesting. Is that a T? Yeah. see on there? Yeah. Oh. He's a batch well, of alert. A batch of alert. Uh, so at GameIndustry.biz, and, or Games Industry. So, Ryan, uh, I read this one pretty thoroughly. What are your thoughts overall? I mean, it seems pretty straightforward what they're doing here. I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's cool that, you know, they have such a big uh, you know, pull on the industry with Game Pass. Like it's really changing the way that people think about how they're going to buy games, especially when you have the availability for like certain games to be available on day 1. Like instead of buying it, you can just get it on Game Pass. So that's great for the consumer. But for the producer, it's awesome that, you know, they have all these different styles that they're working with. Like they're trying to approach different people in different ways and say, you know, hey, do you need money to finish up your game? Bam, here's some money. Throw it on Game Pass. Or, hey, you know, we want, you know, you're going to be an exclusive title anyways. So, bam, you're on Game Pass. Like when the we were talking about the Bethesda buyout a few weeks ago. Uh, we were all like, okay, well, I guess just everything moving forward for Bethesda is going to be automatically on Game Pass because it's going to be a first-party release. So I think it's good that they're not taking like just a single cookie-cutter approach to this, but they're really trying to engage creators in the industry in ways that are going to be best suited for them to be able to bring their games to the most amount of players for the most reasonable price. Well, and it even calls on the article, too, that um, they're fronting the money. So they have multiple ways that they pay you, right? So there's some developers that want to get paid via uh, just general usage and monetization based on that. There's others that are okay taking an agreement with Microsoft up front to say, here's a lump sum of money up front. Your game is now Game Pass. But the cool thing about this is that Microsoft isn't calling out exclusive exclusivity on a lot of these so they're saying yeah you as a developer we're going to front you the money to go ahead and finish your game some games that may not have ever been finished because they didn't have the money so now you have the chance to actually have your game created we're going to get it from a microsoft standpoint it's automatically on game pass you can get it day one and then oh you want to go ahead and branch out and have physical copies or go to nintendo or go to sony to expand on your uh your overall revenue go ahead that's fine like at no point and it even calls out here in the article that uh, Spencer's pretty much like, you know what? The one thing that I hate about the video game console wars is the tribalism aspect of Xbox versus PlayStation and how gamers will crush an Xbox or crush a PlayStation in front of fans just to piss them off type of thing. And it's interesting to see that approach. And it kind of goes back into our predictions on what was going to happen with Bethesda. Like we called this a long time ago that Microsoft was likely not going to take an exclusive approach. They weren't going to just make these Bethesda games for the Xbox. You might have a few here and there as of now to sell consoles as of now, but <laughs> yeah, that's true as of now, but based on comments that we've seen and and kind of how these trends are going, it very much seems like Microsoft is in the the realm of we're going to try to make great games. We're going to expand it to various platforms. And honestly, again, I'm going to stand by and say that I think this might be the last Xbox. I think Microsoft is going to take more of an approach to, you know, put their games on other consoles and other forms of hardware out there, reap the benefits of it while not having to take the the hit on production of this console and maybe pushing all of it to hybrid type PCs or something else along those lines. 
I, I just can't see a moving forward of hardware specifically called Xbox. Well, and it's interesting road. too, because it's like, you know, he calls out that he's not a fan of like console war style us versus them kind of mentality. And it seems like that really is more of like a fan thing. Like he was saying, you know, fans buying one console or the other and then smashing it live on stream just to throw shade on the other people and people being like, well, you know, if this other thing fails, it makes mine more valuable because it means that I chose the correct route to go on. So that yeah. that really seemed like kind of like a remnant of the past, like the most inflamed console wars that I remember and most people remember was like Sega. You know, Sega was like directly doing ads to call out Nintendo and stuff. I mean, PlayStation did it too. Like I remember the crash, you know. He was out there like calling people out on the megaphone and stuff. But like for the most part, the creators have kind of shied away from that. So it would be interesting to see Xbox kind of go the way of Sega and get out of the console business only to become way more productive and, you know, widespread through things like putting Game Pass on other platforms. We've seen plenty of speculation this last year and a half or so on will game pass come to switch and it's like dude if game pass comes to switch like what the hell am i doing with a playstation yeah exactly like there would be no reason at that point and that's really why i've gone the pc route you know because i want to be able to play xbox games many of them that i see but i don't want to buy another console have a pc and a ps5 that's where that's why i can honestly see microsoft trending in that direction man like why put out a console when your average consumer especially if things are trending towards PC, why would they ever buy an Xbox when they can buy it on PC? I think it just depends on like, I I definitely think that will happen. I don't know if this will be the final generation, but once you get to the point where you can build a PC for the price of building an Xbox with equivalent results, because that's the thing that you get with a console is you get a lot of power in something easy to use like i traditionally hate computers because every time i try to do something with a computer it's like hey man you can't do that and you don't know why you got to spend like an hour or two of googling and pouring through forms until you can figure it out and then you can do what it is you want to do and you don't have that problem with consoles for the most part like there's not a lot that you can do it either is going to work or it's not going to work and if it doesn't work, you're kind of just waiting for developers to come up with a solution, which isn't ideal, but it makes more sense to me just because I don't want to go through all the hardships. So if, I get you. Yeah. If you get to the point where it's like, you know, right now you're still going to spend like 900 bucks building a PC that's going to be like fully optimized and able to do all the cool stuff you want it to do. But like you bring that point down to like 600 bucks, 700 bucks. Now you're paying just a little bit more than you would for a console and you're able to get like as good or better results now we're talking like the point where okay maybe maybe it's worth my time to spend a little extra money and invest a little more because i'm going to get you know at least the same if not better results well i mean with my pc for example i'm probably going to be in at 1400 bucks when it's all said and done 1400 1500 which shatters what i wanted to do which was the 900 build <laughs> you know but uh, i do use it for a lot more stuff though so when we start doing video editing and all that i can't do that on a console i can do it on a pc uh 
you know, the streaming that we're doing now. I can't do it on a console. I can do it on a PC. So there's various things that I use my PC for that I wouldn't use an Xbox for, per se. Yeah. So that's where, you know, the PC, I'm okay shelling out a little bit more in having a higher-end PC or really mid-tier PC, I guess, technically, based on my price. So at 1500 bucks, I'd rather spend the money towards... 1500 bucks, you could go buy that. a PS5. I could, but I could have a PS. I could have a computer, which instead of having a nine hundred dollar computer and whatever it's got, have a fifteen hundred dollar computer instead of buying an Xbox and still play Xbox games. Yeah. So that's kind of how I looked at it, right? Like I could have that nine hundred dollar computer, buy an Xbox and a PS Five, or I could just put all the money towards a good PC and then buy a PS Five later. So, uh, okay. So my thoughts on that as well. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much sharing your thoughts on there. You know, I, I'm in agreement with you. I. I really do like the direction Microsoft is going with this. And I can, you know, I could see them kind of being that power horse down the road of, uh, you know, a gaming company just based on what they're doing. So we'll see. Okay. The next thing we've got here is uh, 14 uh, secrets hidden in instruction manuals that make games much weirder. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go through these. Uh, hold on, let me grab my other mouse because I'm like away from my PC right now. Uh, okay, so the first one that they have on here is Bowser is a wizard. Like, that one was kind of weird. So it basically is like, okay, so have you ever wondered why Bowser keeps coming back to life? And it says in the instruction manual that the Koopa, a tribe of turtles famous for black magic. Um, like, that's what it's called. And then you have King Koopa back then. We only assumed that he was a dark wizard in disguise. So it's basically saying Bowser can keep coming back because he's a dark wizard. <laughs> like, that's kind of interesting. Like you never, it, and this isn't, by the way, to say all of these are hundred percent accurate. Like this is truly well, they're all exactly from what it is. Instruction manuals from like older games, <clears throat> and like back in the day, yeah. it was harder to build context for your game in the game with the limited space that you had. So a lot of games would use that instruction manual to like fill out backstory and add extra stuff in. And this is why we really, I mean, we've talked about this a few times before. Like we miss instruction manuals. Like instruction manuals in games are like the bare minimum pack-in that you need. Like now we're lucky enough if we get like a reversible cover on a game. Yeah. And you know, there's nothing better than like when you were a kid and you would get a brand new game, you'd crack it open and you'd sit in the car waiting to get home and you'd flip open a manual and start reading all about the game like within the manual and the characters and everything that are tied into it. It's always so much fun. So the next one is Disgruntled Goombas. So uh, the narrative of Super Mario is basically saying that they're fending off evil invaders, right? But the instruction manual says that the Goombas are part are not part of the Koopa army, but they're part of a mushroom kingdom and that they've pretty much rebelled against Peach. So the Goombas have pretty much set up a coup to try and get rid of Peach. That's what it's amounted to. So they're not actually Koopas, which we knew that, but they're not even part of the Koopa army based on that instruction. So that's pretty interesting. Well, I didn't even I, know that. I remember hearing that like all of the blocks and stuff are like the citizens turned into blocks by magic or something. Damn Princess Peach. So it's like every time it's you go through, I think there's an old game theory on this. Like every time you go through jumping up and breaking blocks and stuff, you're actually like smashing people. <laughs> that actually, that's pretty disturbing. <laughs> like, can you imagine if that's what Nintendo has been thinking of this whole time? Just destroying people. Like you never see anything outside of like, you know, the royal group, Mario and Luigi. I mean, you've got all these creatures and stuff for the most part. Like, that's all there ever is in the games. 
Yeah. So yeah, here here's my favorite one. Goro is into polygamy. That one just made me laugh out loud, dude. So it says in the instruction manual that Goro's a polygamist and he has a whopping seven wives. So um, here on uh, E-Bomb's World, uh, which actually we didn't even give who said this. This is by, uh, what is it, Pocket Infinity uh, of E-Bomb's World. So it says on here, it gives a new meaning to the term finisher. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. So, and it has this Goro with this really weird look on his face. I know, that's a smirk. Uh, Son- that, is a, that is a pretty creepy Goro look. So next one is uh, Sonic isn't naturally fast. It's basically saying in the manual that he has super speed only because of his shoes. So we've been lied to our whole lives. He's not a super fast hedgehog. He just has super shoes. Hey, I do know that all the game theories have showed me that Sonic is not that fast. And I also know from playing Sonic games that there's a lot of standing around and waiting for elevators. Yeah, there is. There is. Uh, so there's no one says Link's brutal death. So I'm not going to go too deep in this one, but basically if you look at Zelda two and you look in uh, the manual, you have Link with a sword and an arrow going up his butt and waving a white flag dead. So that's unexpected. I, I never did notice that in the manual. Uh, the next one is Quake's orgasm powered zombies. I didn't realize this either, but apparently in the game or in the instruction manual, it says that when a zombie kills you there's an implant in their head that gives them a surge of orgasm or orgasmic ecstasy yeah i've never played the quake series and uh so i've never pleasured a zombie and i'm glad for it yeah and you know the one thing that's called out here is that they're surprised that um there isn't a quake porno which (laughs) now you know now that i know there's orgasm zombies i'm kind of surprised there isn't too yeah looking at the next Uh, one wario's weird body i'm wondering if there's some weird wario pornos out there (laughs) there probably is i mean look the testicles on the chin the nipples across the body uh the fact that he can hold five liters of urine when the average human body can only hold like less than one uh 100 liter it says his capacity of 100 liters in his stomach which is insane as well uh, yeah, like Wario does have like the weirdest body and the more of it I read this, the creepier it gets. And, uh, it says that his hands have a crushing power of 80 PSI. Yeah. Whatever Wario is made of, it isn't human. No, he is certainly not. And his farts are inhuman as well. Uh, the next one is Dr. Robotnik is a feminist. That was kind of like weird. I just didn't see that coming at all. And, uh, it says in the manual, like they have a picture of the manual and it says he has an IQ of 300, Eggman is a romanticist, and a feminist and self-professed gentleman. Like, did Sonic do something? And like, you know, to like women's rights and Robotnik's just kind of like the leader of this now? I think like, he's uh, just trying to make himself look good. Yeah, It's a publicity thing. It's a publicity stunt? Yeah, I could, I could see that. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's interesting. Um, this one we all knew. Birdo is transgender. This has been a, lo- a long time running one. We've all heard this one yeah. before. So in the manual, it says Birdo's a male who thinks he's a girl and would be preferred to call, would prefer to be called Birdetta. So, and this has yeah. gotten a lot I mean, of a censorship lot. internationally too. It's not as big a yeah. deal in Japan as it has been internationally. Yeah, and a lot of people do consider Birdo the first transgender video game character. So forward thinking yeah, for that. Nintendo. I'm very forward thinking because uh, that's what. In the, 80s early 90s for birdo mm-hmm. uh that was mario is, too uh, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, License to Kill Players. So basically in the N64 manual for GoldenEye, there's a full page telling players not to copy the game. And on that same page, it has Pierce Brosnan, uh, really James Bond, pointing a gun at the reader, and it's implicating that Nintendo will murder you if you put their ROMs on, uh, you know, on other devices. So forward thinking again from Nintendo. Yeah, very true. I think that GoldenEye had some pretty explicit, like, stuff in there where, like, you couldn't progress past a certain point or, like, the enemies would be unkillable or something to stop you from being able to play a pirated version of that game. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's, an, uh, you know, euphemism for Nintendo's going to kill your pocketbook <laughs> with lawsuits. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Uh, number 11 on this list was the Mushroom Kingdom Hospital. So it's, you know, it's it's not a secret. Mar- Dr. Mario is not really a licensed doctor. He's <gasps> pretty much the equivalent of... He's pretty much the equivalent of Dr. Nick in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, so, hey, everybody. So, yeah, it says in here, uh, so it, this is how it's, it's funny how it's explained. It says, but what of the Mushroom Kingdom's malpractices and how do they even go deeper than this? Uh, pretty much the instruction manual claims that Mario is a doctor and Peach is a nurse and that the entire viral outbreak stems from their experiments in a Mushroom Kingdom hospital. What what do they mean experiments in the Mushroom Kingdom Hospital that created a virus? Like, well, it says here they, Ma- we got a shot of the manual and it's Doctor Mario. Something is terrible has happened. What's wrong, Nurse Toadstool? One of the experiments has gone out of control. The viruses are spreading quickly. Oh no, we've got to do something. I've just developed a new vitamin that should be able to take care of it. I sure hope this stuff works. So that's what you want to hear behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That just sounds like Dr. Nick. A hundred percent. That's where the Simpsons got it from. So he's making experimental vaccines or vitamins to try and kill off viruses. And he's not even qualified to be a doctor to begin with. So they're like, what are they experimenting on? Toads? Like what's going on here? So it's just like zombie toads. That's the next Mario game. Like just, you're going to get your switch and hook it up to a little gun controller and you're going to start killing toads. (laughs) It's going to be Hey, fantastic. we already had the super scope with that. Uh, what was that Yoshi game? Yoshi Safari. Mm. Yeah, I got to get my super scope to work so we could use that. Okay, the next one, Duck Hunt, is two-player. We knew this one. Uh, so, yeah, if you actually look in the instruction manual, use the second controller to control the duck. So one player controls the, the gun and everything, and the other person controls the duck. And we all know which thing the people want to control. The gun, 100%. Uh, okay, so Star Tropics. This is the coolest letter code. One. So, yeah, so I'm going to read this one in full. Uh, in many ways, Star Tropics had the coolest instruction manual, mostly because of a letter it included from your character's uncle. The letter could be torn out of a book and seemed to do nothing more than setting up the plot. But at one point, the game encourages you to dip that letter in water. Doing so would reveal a secret code that you needed to proceed within your game. <laughs> That's going to piss off collectors everywhere. Like, thank God for the internet nowadays well like, I unless can't it's like a, an individual code i i've never played star tropics so i'm not familiar yeah i doubt it's an individual code um but yeah can you just imagine like nowadays if we didn't have the internet and you're a collector like oh i've got to get this individualized code and dip my manual letter into water to be able to reveal it like that would suck okay i'm gonna look up so, what the uh the difference between the complete and loose versions of star <clears throat> tropics is because i bet it's outrageous for that reason alone uh 44.97 well, I mean, versus 8.91 for any well, there you go 
There you go, because that letter is getting rarer and rarer, I guess. Dip too okay, many next times. One is, uh, yeah, dip way too many times. Uh, Captain Commando, Capcom's forgotten mascot. So I didn't realize this either. So you'd usually figure Ryu or Mega Man or Jill Valentine being a mascot. Uh, but it was actually Captain Commando. And he does have his own game on Super Nintendo. So let's see. Oh, that that rounds out our list. That was number 14. So pretty cool list. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and show that. But of course, you know, let us know on uh, on our social media channels if you think there's any other weird instruction manual things that are out there that we didn't know about or we didn't list here from eBombs World. Also, bring back instruction manuals. I just saw a really cool video earlier this week from Spawnwave showing off some Switch manuals that uh, you can buy on Etsy, which seem pretty cool. Like, I would love to be able to have those manuals back. And also, I put out a tweet request earlier to the Twitterverse and asked, hey, does uh, anybody lucky enough to have a PS5 known as the games have manuals? And I heard, nope, none of mine do. From Blink at Blinkoom. Replying surprise to me. Thank I'm you, sure Blinkoom. We'll, I'm sure we'll get some you know, manuals down the road uh, for certain games, like smaller developers. Um, kind of kicking in that nostalgia, but that's about it. But bring it okay. back. Come on. You want to charge yeah, $70? Sure. Give me some paper. Yeah. I mean, kill a couple trees. Well, it's not going to do any any harm. Okay. Our uh, next one is Uri Geller allows Nintendo to print Kadabra on Pokemon cards after 20 years. So um, he was the illusionist, right? Yes. Is that what he was? Okay. So yeah, basically being able to bend spoons or anything else, for any Pokemon fans out there, or even non-Pokemon fans, uh, Kadabra is the uh, the middle evolution of Abra and Alakazam. So you have Abra, Kadabra, Alakazam. And Magic. Kadabra, there were multiple images of Kadabra bending spoons. So basically, Uri comes in and says, hey, that's my, that's what I do. That's me. That's copyrighted. And I don't want you guys to make cards anymore with this. And you need to remove this. So that's been going on for 20 years, apparently. And he recently, after... Tons and tons and tons of letters, apparently, has had a change of heart and said, Nintendo, go ahead and make more Kadabra cards. You're welcome to do it. Yeah, he's like so, 73 now, looking back on his life, being like, man, I shut that shit down. That yeah, was the greatest like, illusion of all time, making a Pokemon disappear. It, that's really what happened. So uh, it, it specifically says in here that the Pokemon company and Nintendo have had to... Uh, really change how things look for Kadabra. Not even change how things look for Kadabra, but because Kadabra couldn't be printed and they had to stop producing those cards, they, which is weird, because why wouldn't they just take Kadabra and like... Change it? Remove the spoons. Yeah, like just change well, it. Well, and it hasn't it stopped him from appearing in games. I mean, up until the most recent Sword and Shield, and I don't even know if that Pokemon line was like eliminated from that. And I think they've all been like post-patched back in anyways now. Like... Kadabra has been around in the games so it's like what's the mm -hmm. difference between printing cards and making it available in the games like I, I'm not a lawyer I don't know what the distinction is there but it all seems pretty arbitrary especially for some guy who has some fake spoons that he rubs his fingers on and makes them look like they're melting like this guy's full of shit anyways I'll we'll say that he might sue us too I mean he's 73 he's got nothing to lose Ryan well, yeah, but I mean, he's an season. illusionist. It's all fake. Like, what kind of identity is he? Is he holding up like his pretendability to Ben Spoons? Pretendability. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, if he does sue us, it'll it'll make for some good publicity, I guess. Right. So, 
the cool thing about this, though, is that Nintendo and Pokemon Company have been able to kind of work around it. So they've had to create, like, new rules for the card game itself to be able to get around, like, Abra to Alakazam. Like, the evolutionary aspect of the game. Like, how do you get from one Pokemon to the other when you have to skip a form? So they're saying there's going to be a lot of rule changes that come in play here pretty soon as well. So it'll be interesting for Pokemon players. And, and yes, Pokemon is still widely played uh, as a card game. And pretty badass cards at that. Like, if you thought the cards we had as kids were cool, dude, these cards are, like, flipping sweet. Like, they're awesome. I never... When I was a kid, I didn't know how to play. All I did was collect them. And then... Like when I was in college, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, we're we're kind of like run out of magic at the moment. Let's try some Pokemon. And like, I remember coming home from my overnight shift and like playing Pokemon for an hour before I went to bed for five hours and started my whole day over again at noon. Like it, it was pretty sweet. I did have an enjoyable time, but I don't remember ever seeing a Kadabra. Pokemon's a very, yeah, Pokemon's a pretty fast game, actually. When you play, it's a lot faster than Magic in the experiences I've had. And when I did work at a card shop, that's one of the well, game card shop. That's one of the things that we did was held Pokemon tournaments. So I, I was the one that got that kind of started for that shop. And having no knowledge of Pokemon, it was interesting to see, like, kids coming in and how they knew the game. I and mean, we had, like, 10 and 12-year-olds coming in or like, oh, yeah, like, this is this card and this is the rules. Like, they knew exactly what was going on. So... You know, for us as, you know, being older, like we look at Pokemon and say, oh, it's not, you know, anything super crazy nowadays, but there's still a lot of cards being sold, new decks coming out, and kids are still actively playing in tournaments uh, for this game. Yeah. Well, I'm so. happy to see all of this resolved after so long. I remember reading about this forever ago in some magazine, so I'm glad that that's all resolved, but I have one problem with this article. And that's at the very bottom. The last line of this article says, and the release of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl have been recently rumored according to prominent leaker. Hey, you know what? No, don't re-release Diamond and Pearl. Let that shit stay on the DS. Take a year off. Revamp your whole system. Give us a better Pokemon. Stop just rehashing the old stuff. I'm done with it. I'm done. Exactly. Uh, and this article, by the way, was by Luke Shaw at NME.com. Okay. Our next thing here is our Inflation Deflation uh, Kirby Superstar Saga, which is eight games in one on the Super Nintendo. Uh, this was developed by HAL Laboratory, published by Nintendo, and directed by uh, Mashido Sakurai. Masahiro right, Sakurai. Ryan? I got it. Masahiro Sakurai. Okay. And uh, it was released in September of 96. It is an action uh, playformer. Oh, platformer. Uh, recept- <laughs> pla- yeah, okay. I was like, what the hell's playformer? Misspelling. God, Ryan, you... Yeah, you see Brian's misspellings. He can't finish games. He can't finish his words. Uh, so it's a, a platformer, not a playformer, Ryan. And uh, reception of 8 out of 10. That's the general consensus. Uh, so we had a little time with this. What are your overall thoughts? Uh, so I've only interacted with Kirby Superstar Saga on the Super Nintendo Classic. I've never actually played the original before. And I guess that's probably because I also like I suggested this because uh, last week, I think it was you were saying that you don't really have a lot of experience with Kirby. I myself have very minimal experience with Kirby, like Squeak Squad, uh, Nightmare in Dreamland and Crystal Shards is about all I have for experience. I've never played like the original for Game Boy or anything like that. And I thought it would be a good way to go back. We're doing uh, remote recording, if you can't tell this week. So 
we both have the SNES Classic, so it was an easy choice for us to be able to pick up and play. And it's a bunch of diversity all in one cart. Like, I didn't make it through all eight games just because you've got to go through and unlock some of them. But it's got a whole bunch on offer. It's a very diverse title. It's got, like, a little couple mini games and some more, like, mainline games. Like, I know the Dynabird game is supposed to be pretty good. I didn't get to that one. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's classic Kirby, great graphics. It established a lot of, uh, you know, the iconic powers that you recognize, a lot of the design archetypes of like, you know, the the crown of fire or the crown of ice or whatever, depending on which ability you get. A lot of the enemy types here, I recognize all the way from way back then to more modern stuff have really stood out. Uh, it, all in all, it's a really tight package and it probably would have been really exceptional back in the day. But as of today, like as diverse as it is, I don't know that I would actually go outside of the classic to pick this one up. Yeah, I'd agree with you, man. Like I, I played about three or four, I think, out of them. I think it was more like three. The racing one, the samurai as a minigame and then the classic style kind of Kirby. And I'm not the biggest Kirby fan. I mean, I've played them in the past a little bit here and there, like when I've had a, you know, a younger kid or whatever at the house from a relative that's coming to town, like, and I've had the game on hand because I've got it on Super Nintendo and I'll help one out. But it's, for me, it was very easy with what it's we were playing. It wasn't much designed difficulty. as like an entry level type game franchise. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, as I'm older now, it's, do I really want to sit back and, and play? It's like, I could probably bang it out pretty quick, to be honest, but it's just, it wasn't very challenging. It wasn't a whole lot of fun. Uh, the samurai stuff was, you know, challenging only because you have to be quick on the buttons and, and try and time it right. Well, I think some of those Other are multiplayer as well. Yeah, yeah, the samurai one for sure is. The race one, I think, is as well, and that one was a little challenging only because... I had just kind of jumped into it and hadn't really played too much, but I'm sure as I were to get through it, it'd be a lot easier. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just not my style of game personally. I mean, it's my style of game platformer, but it's not my style in that it isn't that good. Like it's, it's okay. It doesn't directly appeal to you. Like it's, it's entry level no. game for younger players is definitely a good thing, but it's not really up to snuff for where we're at in our gaming experience. Yeah, the fact that, you know, my friend's four-year-old, well, you know, Atlas, he's able to play it. He was playing it last year at my house, like, and going through, like, multiple levels of Kirby on the Classic. Mm -hmm. So if a four-year-old can get through it with ease, like, I'm pretty sure, like, we could destroy that game pretty quickly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where I am at. New games I'm resolution. Well. Something easy. <laughs> Something easy. Oh yeah, that, that wasn't that somebody's Wi-Fi password as well. That's my Wi-Fi password. <laughs> is it? It is. Okay. Or it was. Oh, well, hackers it, beware! It was. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. Now it was. It's not anymore. Something uh, hard now. Yeah, because something. <laughs> it's some password. Some password is going to be it now. So. Yeah, uh, brass tax on this. Uh, you didn't put the most expensive version or cheapest version because I guess it's only on that console. So complete in box, we're looking at a hundred bucks. It peaked at one twenty four ninety five. You didn't put the date on that, um, but that is trending downward. 
And then loose, we're looking at uh, $40. It peaked at $46.32 back in December 2016. And that is trending pretty steady. So, sorry about know, that. Average that price peak has been was that. in July 2014. Gotcha. So, I mean, we're looking at a game that's kind of stayed stagnant for many years. And a lot of that can probably be credited to the fact that it's just not, you know, it's not an amazing game. It's not something that people are actively seeking of, I'm going to, it's not, you've got multiple mini games on there. You've got kind of the, the standard, you know, Kirby and whatnot. It's not a full, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a full fledged game to me. I think that this really comes up to these kind of prices just because it is Kirby. Like, I feel like if Kirby hadn't been like, a Smash Bros character, which I mean, obviously Smash Bros was developed by Sakurai and Hal Laboratories, so there was no way Kirby wasn't going to be a part of that. Like it was his mainstay thing anyway. So, seeing as how Kirby's had like a lot of elevation from being associated with that franchise, and I mean, Canvas Curse was pretty well received. Um, I don't even remember what the last Kirby game. I think it was the one with that mech for the 3DS or something. So the last one you played? No, the last one that I remember coming out. Like, I haven't played a Kirby Isn't game. Isn't there a Rain- Rainbow Cruise or something? Rainbow Curse. Isn't I think that the... was for the Wii or the Wii U. Yeah, no, that was on... No, that was on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if there was one on the Switch. Like, that's just how, how much I pay attention to Kirby, right? Like... I don't even keep up to date with like what games are coming out. I have Epic Yarn at my house. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that's pretty good, but it's just not a, a title I seek out. And I think a lot of people our age are not really seeking out that game either. They're more interested in the Mario's and Zelda's and such out there. So yeah, I, I would say if you were to tear up, you know, from an ABC perspective of like oh, Super Nintendo's Kirby top Clash games, was like uh uh, fighting game that just came out last year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, if you were to tear up Nintendo's like main characters, I would say like if you had an A, B, and C tier, I would put Kirby as a C tier, to be honest. Like it's not it's not a cool character. It really isn't. And the games themselves are not like the best. So at least from you know the experimentation is fun to. in Kirby. Like I had a ton of fun as a kid playing uh Crystal Shards just like Cause you could combine two powers and seeing what like different two powers would make what crazy new power was a ton of fun. And I feel like a lot of people wish that we could go back to that kind of crystal shards type game. If they were to expand on it or maybe make like a fully 3d Kirby game instead Mm -hmm. of like a 2.5 D I think that that could be some room for improvement if they were able to like, you know, elevate the difficulty of Kirby. I'm not saying like make a Kirby souls game, but I mean, just something (laughs) a little more up to snuff. I think that general audiences would appreciate it, but it is also important for younger gamers to have like a steady entry level kind of game that they can come up into. And, you know, if they release something like that every three or four years, that's not a bad thing to do either. And I think that you got a lot of bang for your buck back in 96 picking this up it would introduce you to a lot of different you know mechanics and a lot of different game styles i mean even though they're all through the kirby lens there is a lot to show there so i think that this game was definitely well worth the price of admission back in the day maybe today not so much as you can probably get a lot more uh i mean quality and content 
for that kind of price. I mean, especially with the SNES Classic itself, like comparing these games is always tough because like when you can buy it on the SNES Classic for a hundred bucks, as opposed to buying the game by itself for a hundred bucks, it's like, well, there's a really an obvious choice here and it's not to buy the game. So if you're like... Well, a, and you've also got the Kirby Dream Collection that was on the Wii. So there's like other types of Kirby games that have come out like collection-wise that are much better bang for your buck and you're going to be able to play it on various consoles. What, what are you... Ryan just disappeared on my screen. Sorry. Okay, there you, there you are. Um, Yeah, so I agree with you, dude. I would put this game at like, I don't know, 25 bucks if you found it. Like, that'd be okay. It's not my favorite. It really isn't. Yeah, I mean, this is really a game for collectors only at this point, really. Like, nobody needs to reach all the way back to buy this game to actually play through it. Like, this is purely for a spot on your shelf. So, if you want to go the full hundred bucks to get that box, I mean, you're really reaching. Like, you're a full-on collector and you're paying top dollar. And to get this loose, to put on a shelf... Where at most you're going to just see that little edge of the sticker that reaches around the top. I mean, I don't know that that's really worth it for you. So I'm going to have to call this game inflated like crazy. Yeah, same here. Inflated. Like if you want to play at 25 bucks, like that should be fine. And, and then you get the collection aspect. But $40 is kind of insane at this point for this game. You got to wheel and deal and steal to get this game to make it worthwhile. Mainly wheel and deal. Don't steal. Uh, well, that, that's it for this week, dude. We'll have to figure out a game for next week. Uh, anything not named Star Fox would be preferable. Uh, so Star Wolf. I, I'm not. Is Star okay, Tropics. I'm not even a question. That might be a good one. I don't know if I have it. <clears throat> Actually, I think I do. Have do you have the manual? Uh, no, I dipped it in water. We're never going <laughs> to be able to beat it. Well, yeah, we'll never be able to beat it. So my kind of yeah, game. We'll figure out a game for next <laughs> You got a game? No, I said that's my kind of game, the kind that's unbeatable. Oh, unbeatable? Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, how about you get your PlayStation Classic working up, and uh, maybe we can find something on there next week. All right, sounds good. That'll give you motivation to, to get that fixed up. Uh, so this has been episode 108 of Game Flitters Podcast. Of course, you can find us on those social media accounts out there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and all those podcast applications out there, as well as thegamedeflators.com. So my name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>